Hey friends, welcome to the Rhythms for Life podcast, where each week we talk about four rhythms that help you reduce stress and anxiety and take charge of your emotional health. Rest, restore, connect, create. These ideas come from Rebecca's best-selling book, Rhythms of Renewal, trading stress and anxiety for a life of peace and purpose. So grab your copy, invite your friends, and let's live in rhythm. Welcome back. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Gabe. And happy, what, fall? It's not fall yet, but well, this feels after like... after Labor Day, I know. so I feel like it is officially fall. No more white pants. No more white <laughs> shoes. <laughs> I got my white pants on. Yeah, there's a good story behind that. We'll have to save <laughs> for another time. But I think uh, what I'm excited about this fall, Rebecca, is something we've been working on. We've talked a little bit about this on the podcast, but it's another retreat. I know. Well, what happened is we offered this one in October, sold out pretty fast. And then we said, let us know if you want to be on a wait list. And then that filled up. And we now finally have details. <laughs> it's been yeah. a little bit of logistics on our end, but we are so excited about this opportunity. So we're calling it the Renewal Retreat. It's going to be in Franklin, Tennessee. So it's our hometown, the beautiful Harpeth Hotel, brand new boutique hotel located in downtown Franklin. But the most important thing, Rebecca, that I love about this is one of our favorite podcast guests, Kurt Thompson. So Dr. Kurt Thompson, he's a psychiatrist, mental health expert. He's coming to be with us for these two days, along with Bill and Lori Loki, who are personal counselors. They've also been on an episode. Mm -hmm. And we're basically inviting people to come together. It's going to be limited to 100 because we're wanting to do it with all the great social distancing. All the guidelines. COVID guidelines in place at this particular venue. But it's going to be a great, warm, intimate environment to not only hear and learn about how to have rhythms in our life right. and renewal, but also to just experience a bit of time together with yeah. people that you know are like-minded who care about these same things. Yeah, what we've learned in the last year of doing this podcast, can you believe it's been a year, like a year anniversary, <laughs> <That's great. laughs> um, is that um, this is a community of people who are serious about taking charge of their emotional health. And so we've had podcasts, we've had um, different kind of experts speak on these things, but then we have a community monthly. And then now these retreats have been such a fun way for people who might know each other virtually, but to come together in the same room and go, hey, we're like-minded. We're working hard on our marriage, maybe our parenting, maybe our teamwork with our employees or employer. Um, and so this is a way to make sure that that emotional health is relational. And that's one thing Kurt Thompson advocates strongly is that just like in, like wounding might happen through relationship, healing can also happen through relationship. And so this is going to be a really fun, big big group counseling session. No, not really, but it will be tools. It will be equipping. There probably will be a tear here or there, um, a lot of laughter, and I'm very excited for this. Well, and it's on a Friday and Saturday, and so what we would recommend, any of you who are a couple that you just want to get away and have these kind of conversations together going into the holidays, as well as thinking about, I mean, a time this fall, this is going to be, you know, it's one of those seasons in American life where things are still feeling pretty complicated. So, Getting kind of together with some other people to really think through our mental health for the season ahead, we think is so important. So November 20th and 21st, you can learn more about this and see all the details and register. And I would recommend register soon because as we experienced with this last retreat, limited space goes quickly and you go to RebeccaLyons.com slash Renewal Retreat. So go to RebeccaLyons.com slash Renewal Retreat and join us. Come be yeah. a part of this. Enjoy our downtown, like great restaurants and eateries and all kinds of fun ways that this is just going to be a great experience as we get into the nature of fall. Yes. Now, 
Heading into this interview, what we're excited about is a conversation with Crystal Evans Hurst. And I know Rebecca, she's somebody that, I mean, she's like a a deep well of (laughs) wisdom. We just kept pecking her with more questions on parenting and raising wonderful kids and then now grandkids and just her capacity and how she goes deep. And this is a prayer journey. This is this is what she's about. Like her life has been about this and she has a project on it. And so listen in now to our conversation with Crystal. Crystal, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you on today. Thanks for having me. Glad to be with you. Well, I'm so excited about you and your story and your message. And I think this is our first podcast together, and I'm, I'm really thankful that you're here. Glad to be here with you. Well, Crystal, you have lived an incredible life, a faithful woman of God, leader, author. I mean, you've had such a voice into so many people's lives. And so I'm excited for our listeners today to just get to know your perspective more. And I love it. Rebecca and I both love just getting that wisdom because I feel like I feel like these days people have a lot to say, but it's not always based in wisdom or experience, <laughs> you know, and, and everybody's got a microphone. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like your journey is, is kind of the opposite. You lived a lot of life and then the microphone kind of came a little later in life and we all could benefit from that. But, but would you just help us get to know you a little bit better and, and our audience, just your family, dynamic, uh, you know, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I, it's so funny when you say I've lived a little bit of life and that is the realization that I'm having to make. And it makes me crazy because in my head, I am 27. <laughs> uh, I turned 27 and then I never aged past that point. But then when I talk about my life, I'm like, oh, I've lived some. I've been a parent as long as I've been an adult. I have a 29-year-old daughter. I have uh, five children, two girls, two boys. Two of those are grown. Three of them are are still at home. I have two grandchildren. Um, as it relates to parenthood, which has been a big part of my story, I've been um, a single parent. I've been a teenage mom. I've been a stepmother. I've been a mom to a husband who travels a lot. I've gone through, still am going through seasons of sickness. So I've been a work at home mom. I've been, a, you know, all, all the different versions of parenthood as it relates to mothering, special needs, you name it, I've done it or still am doing it. Um, so that's a big part of my story. But the other part is just my spiritual heritage. I'm one of the Evans kids. Dr. Tony Evans has four kids, and people know a lot about Priscilla and Anthony because they've been doing ministry publicly for a long time. And then the first and the last, my brother Jonathan, and then I'm the first. Uh, we kind of come into things a little bit later. But when I've come in to this space of public ministry, it's without the intention. I thought that one day I'd write a book. I thought I'd be in my 60s so I would know which kids I could use for illustrations or not. <laughs> uh, I would have earned um, you know, my MBA or PhD in life to some degree and feel confident about what I had to say. And I am confident about what I have to say, but a lot of it is um, life lived or currently that I'm living. But I do have a different perspective, I think. Um, I'm in my late 40s, and uh, while I have a lot of energy and I love running with my kids, time just does something. So you start to know your own patterns in life. You you can see how God works, and you've lived long enough to learn a little about people, what works, what doesn't, what's true, and what's not. Um, And then I've walked with God a little bit, um, a little bit all my life. I was in a Bible study fellowship for years, just basically trying to run away from my kids. I told my husband I need a night out. And I would go to Bible study and get a Starbucks all to myself on the way home. But now, uh, late looking back, hindsight is twenty twenty. I'm like, oh, those 10 years spent diligently studying the Bible in a disciplined way, God had a plan for that. 
So whether it's life lived or but studying the Bible um, um, or just plain old, um, you know, with the t- passing of time, you learn things. Um, I've had the opportunity to come into this public space of ministry and sharing what I hope is practical wisdom with the people I have a chance to minister to. Oh, absolutely. And we're so grateful that you have done that and and made that venture out. And it, I know God and His timing always appoints those things. I always joke that I was a late bloomer-ish, um, didn't really even consider writing or speaking or anything until I was really like 38, 39, 40. Something. The first time you spoke, Rebecca, I remember... You were you you wanted to be interviewed because you didn't feel oh, comfortable so speaking. You were scared to death. So nervous. Please interview me, and and so I interviewed you, <laughs> and it, and it went great. And it took you like a few times, and then you all of a sudden realized, wait, I have a I have a gift, and, well, and I think other people were saying that to you, like Rebecca, you need to you need to start speaking. So I, I it's just funny to remember that moment. Oh my goodness, I know. It, I I do remember my best friend told me like years later. Um, after, because she had heard me the first time I spoke, I was moderating a panel at Q, and like I, <laughs> I was horrible. And later, she heard me like five years later, and she's just like, "I didn't want to tell you then, but I wasn't really sure about your future as a public speaker." <laughs> and she's like, "But you know, you've come a long way." And yeah. I was like, "I don't know. It's like riding a bike, I guess." But um, but that's the humility that I hear in Crystal. It's like you've lived a lot of life, you have a lot of wisdom, but you don't assume you've got a lot to say. You just are like. Happy to share mm-hmm. what I'm learning, yeah. And um, uh-huh. and I think exactly. we need we need a lot more of that today. Let's talk a little bit about just your the rhythms because obviously, with this podcast conversation, we have tried to talk to so many different people, and we get all these different tidbits and helps and practices that are really helpful for our listeners when we understand how other people have learned how to live these rhythms out where they have time to rest and spend their time with God and how they do that, and then restoring like how they physically are taking care of themselves and thinking about the ways that they energize themselves and their body, you know, all the way to connecting with people and then creating. So for you, uh, as you think about those different rhythms, give us maybe an example of like, what's your favorite thing to do to just rest, to take time off, to be kind of restored in, in your soul? Well, um, you know, first of all, I think that learning your rhythms takes time. And I think we have to learn to give ourselves grace to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And over time, you start to realize these are the things that fill me and these are the things that don't. Um, For me, good music and a candle. It's a super, super small thing. You know, on a grand scale, if that candle and that great music could be on the balcony of a great hotel overlooking the ocean, then so (laughs) be it. (laughs) But But if I can't make the ocean appear... I literally play music in my home all day long. There's always a candle burning or something that smells good, a diffuser or something going. And having the foundation of the atmosphere set that there's worship and then something that is brings joy to my senses, simple, simple thing. So when I get up in the morning, I turn on the music. My kids even know in the morning, I'll say, somebody turn on the music. And my kids are like, we're sick of listening to the same thing all the time. And I'm like, well, when you get your house, then you get to decide what we do. <laughs> exactly. Um, but starting the day like that and ending the day like that, um, kind of a slow and a slow ramp up and a slow ramp down where, um, when those are things are happening, laying in the bed, talking to God, not a major devotional, just a good morning, God, you know, and what's on your agenda for me today. And then at the end of the day, you know, what, what mattered to you today and what, how do I need to course correct for the next day? And just the connectivity with God and the connectivity with myself. 
Um, it's sim- something super simple. But before that cup of coffee and the morning workout and all those things that are doing, I find joy in being. And that rhythm of being really feeds me. I love that reflection at the end of the day. That's one I'm going to copy you on because I think we start strong. And then by 9 p.m., I'm just, I can barely make it through like three minutes of a conversation. (laughs) Um, What kind of rhythms have been life-giving for your family in this season where all of a sudden everybody's around each other a whole lot? Like what kind of connect rhythms have worked well in your marriage and your parenting? Uh, We have a lot of requests for ideas in that category. Well, my husband for years traveled for the first 10 years of our marriage. He traveled a lot. And so, you know, having that date night and as much as I would have loved to have that weekly or monthly, we just got it and we could get it in and put it on the calendar. Um, And when he got sick, because he's had some challenges health-wise for the last 10 years of our marriage, we've been married for 20 years, our dates became our doctor's appointments, (laughs) Um, that going to the doctor was our excuse to eat out. I mean, goodness gracious, if we're going to go to the doctor, by golly, let's eat something we enjoy and enjoy a meal together. So um, just making sure that we had that time to connect um, and to talk, of course. So that's nothing novel there. That date night, we tried to honor that as often as we can. Um, With the kids... I met a lady one time that had seven kids. We grew up going to a camp and uh, she would, as adults, we would keep going and she would give these mom talks. And she said that she would rotate through over a two week period, spending time at the foot of each child's bed. So she had an evening date with each child. She didn't demand anything from them. She didn't want to have a full on blown conversation, but she would be there, rub their feet, rub their calves, pray over them. And just be there. And she said, you'd be surprised at what you can discover when they know you're coming and they're waiting for you to show up because when it's their turn. So um, I wouldn't say that I do it as rhythmically as that, but I would say I do try to give those kids that one-on-one time just with them. Um, Sometimes I'm going to the grocery store and I have boys at home now and they roll their eyes. I'm like, I don't care. We need time together. Just come on. (laughs) And so I try to be really intentional about really low-key, uneventful, no big thing, one-on-one time together. That same family, that father, they used to live next to a Sonic. And when he knew he needed time with each kid, he would spend one afternoon walking each one of them to Sonic for a 15-minute conversation with dad. Walk home, get another kid, do another 15 minutes. And that was how he spent two hours of his afternoon. So that one-on-one time. That's a lot of slushies. (laughs) It's a lot of slushies. You got to go during happy happy hour. That's why he's walking. He's trying to burn off the last slushie before he gets in there. I like the slushie plan. (laughs) But I think the rhythm of one-on-one time, um, I think family dinner is great, but I really think the rhythm of one-on-one time, intentional, I'm here for you time, it's really important. Yeah, I think Rebecca and I are, we're learning that right now with four children, three are teenagers, but just how, we have two special needs children. I'd love for you to speak Mm -hmm. into this. And we've realized just the cost that comes with the time and energy and focus that you spend on two children who are much more dependent on everything, you know, that they need from you compared to two other children who who are less dependent. Are becoming and therefore, more and more independent. Yeah, and they can kind of find their way. And we're realizing how much more intentional we have to be with putting the time in with just connecting with them, you know, and hearing what they're walking through realizing that they've kind of built up a a way of caring maybe more than they should as kids because they've been jumping in on caring for their siblings as well. Um, Any advice you would have for families who are listening to this who are kind of dealing with that tension where they just, they have some more physical demands on them uh, with one particular child or, or two, and you can see how that takes away a little bit from maybe the others. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the tendency is to not worry about the kids who don't need you to worry about them. But the reality is, is that all kids need our eye to eye. They need our one to ones. They need our attention and they need our love. And their ask for it is not a determining factor of whether or not they need it. And so I think as parents, knowing that they need it and not looking for that input, it matters. My second son, I have three boys and two girls, as I mentioned, and the middle one had a traumatic birth. He had uh, nerve damage as a result. Um, he had a physical limitation of use of his one of his arms. He didn't talk until he was five years old. And I spent a lot of time with him. And I remember my oldest daughter at the time one day in tears, she just said, it's like you don't have time for me. And my reply to her was, I don't. But isn't the, the, the reality that if your brother was you, you would want me to give you everything that I'm giving him. And I just need you to understand. And that's what I said to her as an adult talking to a 13-year-old. She doesn't understand. She's 13. And I can tell you that that same adult daughter, we've had to have many conversations about how she felt unseen by me, um, unnoticed and not prioritized. Even though she could mentally understand the need for me to give one other child more, that did not compute to, I don't need anything. you know. And she never said another word about it. But I can see the repercussions of that time not being intentional with her. And so I mean, you know, we, we homeschool, so we had a lot of time together. But my my having lived life a little bit, I would say when you have children that demand your time, be intentional about voluntarily giving a, just as much time or as much as you can to the kids who don't ask for it, because just because they don't ask for it doesn't mean they don't need it. And is it a lot? Yes. Is it stressful? Yes. Does it have to be two hours weekly? No. Just an intentional sit by the bed that 10 minutes 15 minutes in the evening says, I'm here for you in the way that I can be. And that speaks volumes. Now that's gold. I hope everybody I rewinds know. that a couple that was, times. That was like free therapy right yeah, there. I'm about for, to cry. <laughs> for we needed to hear that crystal because I think we're walking <laughs> through that right now and trying to determine how to prioritize better in the year ahead. You realize as your kids are getting older, like your 13 year old, you know, you just don't get those years back and every moment really matters. But I love that you remove the burden that it has to be this or that it's it's more about just the intention and the mm -hmm. prioritization and putting our yeah. focus into that and i like that you said it doesn't have to be intense it doesn't have to be this big like therapy session it can be just hanging out and doing whatever just naturally happens and and i do think um when we when gabe and i slow down and really ask Pierce and Kennedy in particular questions about what do they need from us because it's obvious what Kate and Joy need from us for the most part. But for them, like you said, they don't always ask for it. It is always coming back to more time, just more time to hang out, more time where, um, I mean, it's not always possible to have time as a family where Kate and Joy aren't present, but it certainly is time mm -hmm. is possible for me and Kennedy or Gabe and Pierce or vice versa, because those conversations obviously are very different than when kids are involved that cognitively can't hang <laughs> with what we're talking about. And so there's a sensitivity there to not just talking over them at the dinner table and always trying to engage them as well. So I love um, just your reminder. And I know a lot of parents are going to be encouraged by that. Yeah. And, and I want to talk, though, for a moment about prayer, because Crystal... I feel like, I mean, this has like got to be part of the Evans family heritage is just the importance of prayer. And I know prayer's just meant so much to you. And I think in our current cultural moment, we have a lot more people turning to prayer and some who understand it, some who don't understand it, some who are just going, that's my last hope. I don't quite know where the future's headed, but I know prayer seems like a good thing. I, I think of, of uh, 
Priscilla and her her uh, participation in the film War Room that really impacted our daughter's life, which was all about the power of prayer. Uh, and that was your sister that was, I know, a big a big part of that. But talk about prayer for you. Why is prayer so essential? I think in a lot of our lives, sometimes it becomes a, a, a something we do when we think about it. But for the real people who I know who understand prayer, it is their top priority. I mean, it's it's the number one thing they're going to put their energy into besides anything else they might do to try to advance themselves or to survive. So how do you think just generally about prayer? And then I want to talk specifically about some of the cool ways that you've been helping others come into that. Well, the thing is, is War Room came out and uh, the book Fervent came out. So I'm looking at Priscilla in a movie and I'm reading her book. And at the beginning of the book, she dedicated that to my grandmother who had a spiral notebook and she would write down your prayer requests. And if you didn't give her an update, she'd say, you have to let me know how things turn out because I need to know whether or not I'm still praying for that. She definitely prioritized prayer. And during that whole season, I thought, I got to get my act together. So one of the things I always tell people is that anything that I say about prayer is because I'm trying to get my act together. Like I understand the importance of it. And I know that consistent communication with God, it's really important. And prayer is the way that we access many of the things that God can do, but that he will not do unless we participate with him in prayer. So I know all those things, but consistently talking to God um, when there's not a problem, you know, it's something that I wanted to develop and wanted to get better at. And so my prayer life has been impacted by my desire to to get better at it, not because I was good at it and that I was trying to tell everybody else what to do. I think recognizing that prayer is a gift that God made a big effort to send Jesus Christ so that we would have fellowship with him, have the opportunity for fellowship. And so if the God of the universe is saying, I want to talk to you, why on earth would we not prioritize consistently talking to him? And so that's just been a personal challenge of mine, spawned during that time. Yeah, there's a friend of mine in New York who who leads a, a major prayer movement there. And I remember being so convicted talking to him when he said, prayer is work, you know, it's it's something, <laughs> it's not like I just enjoy it all the time. Like I just prioritize it because I feel like it's how God's asked us to interact with him. He prays four hours a day. So he he literally breaks up his day so that four hours a day he's in prayer, which was super overwhelming to me because that that I'm like, man, four hours a day. I don't I don't know that I have the capacity like a marathon runner to even know how to do that. But the fact that he prioritized it so much was because he really believed what God says, that the the prayer, the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, that, that this is how God chooses to invite us into relationship and participation in his will. Um, maybe for somebody listening right now who's not thought of prayer that way, maybe they've only thought of prayer as like asking God when they're really in trouble to help, but they don't mm-hmm. see that bigger picture of God's vision of what prayer was about. Educate us a little bit on that. Well, I think that this this concept of talking to God includes, yes, us talking to Him, but it also includes Him talking to us. There are some things that I just, it, it, we can understand this. When I take a shower, there are things that I'm sure are great ideas, but they just don't come to me unless I'm in the shower. Mm-hmm. Why is that? It's because there's nothing else going on in my head except then there's room. There's room for that one little idea to pop in. If that's how our subconscious works, how do we think that God would work if we would give him the room to download God ideas to us? Right. I really believe that parents say sometimes, man, 
parenting doesn't come with a manual. It's tough work. I believe that one of the reasons why God did not get more specific is because parenting is one of the greatest ways to learn to depend on God. (laughs) And you will realize really quickly that you don't know until you ask for this kid this year in this situation, God, how should I parent? How should we discipline? How do we connect? And really getting that information from God means you're going to him to ask. So I think we give too little credence to what God can do on behalf of us or for us when we bring him our concerns, our problems, and our cares. I also think that we can understand this in the context of relationship. If I came to my husband all the time and only said, well, here's what I need you to do, I could do that. Our relationship probably wouldn't be too great. Me coming to him, though, and saying sometimes for no reason, you're really great. I just want you to know I appreciate you. I want you to know I think it's really great that you're able to keep all these balls in the air. Thank you very much for providing. Thank you for protecting. And I'm just telling you that just because we understand in the context of relationship, praise and thanksgiving. We understand in the context of relationship, repentance. You're not going to get very far in a relationship with somebody who you continue to offend. And so this idea of praying is really an idea about relationship. And any relationship worth having, you have to put time into. And a lot of that time is based in communication. So when you understand God's word, because it's a big, long letter that he made sure that over 2,000 years made it into our hands, and Bible says that the word was God and the word is God in John 1, when you understand that the beginning of getting to know him is his word and the continuation of getting to know him is prayer, and if you want a relationship with the God of the universe, relationships take work. God has made it easy for us to access him. However, we have to actually do the accessing, and that's where the work comes in. Um, I think that my grandmother had a great relationship with God, but she spent a lot of time in prayer. And if I want to have the same thing, I've got to put in the time. If you're busy, making time for exercise and self-care can be a real challenge. It's often the first thing to get bumped from the list, even though it's one of the most important things for our health and well-being. That's why Robin at The Balanced Life creates short, realistic Pilates workouts for busy women that can be done from home, on your own time, and they only take 15 minutes. She has a brand new free challenge kicking off September 14th. Pilates Strong is a five-day challenge, and each day she'll send you a 15-minute Pilates workout for you to do right at home. No equipment necessary. All levels are welcome, and it's totally free. So just go to thebalancedlifeonline.com slash RFL podcast to sign up for free and get the workouts delivered straight to your inbox. Again, that's thebalancedlifeonline.com slash RFL podcast. I love that scripture informs even how we know what to thank God for. I was reading this morning in Colossians 1 how He holds all things together. And in the context of this year, when there's a lot of chaos ensuing, I was just reminding myself and then giving gratitude back to God, like, thank you that you hold all things together. You know, I don't have to have it all figured out or I don't have to understand the ins and outs of it. Before the beginning of time, you established all these things and you will hold these things together. You do now, you will tomorrow, you did yesterday. And that helps a lot of times when people are like, I want I, I want to give God thanks, but sometimes we think it's, 
you know, for all the things he's given us. But I think it's also an invitation to thank God for his nature of who he is. Thank you that you are creator and that you hold us and you hold all things. Could you expound a little bit uh, for a listener? Because I get a lot of questions about this of like, how do you hear from God? In When you ask these open-ended questions in the middle of prayer, I, I think you ha- gave us a great example of like, oh, you've given room and thoughts come. But is that typically you should kind of sit in it and like, let it be silent? What does that look like for you? Yes. Well, I think, first of all, in the context of relationship, there are some things that God will not sit and say to me unless unless I'm sitting and there's room to hear. But if my husband really, really wants to tell me something, he's going to blow up my phone. You know what I mean? He's going to call me three times in a row and I'll go, oh, he really needs me or he'll text me. I also believe that when something is really important to not only our personal paths, but God's, the, the fabric of what he's doing in the world that he wants me to be a part of. He's smart enough and he's capable enough and powerful enough to get my attention when needed. So I don't want to make it sound like you can only hear from God when you're, you know, just sitting at home with your candles burning and you got complete silence because as a mom of kids and they're older now, but I remember younger kids, when does that happen? You know what I mean? Like, when does that happen? So I want to remove this pressure that you have to this perfect scenario in order to hear from God. Hearing from God when he's getting my attention looks like I read a scripture Okay, this morning it was good. I moved on. Then I listened to the radio and that scripture or the concept was repeated. Or somebody calls me, hey, I'm praying for you because, you know, God just really put this particular thing on my heart. And I'm like, are you trying to get my attention? You know, and I don't want to sound super mystical. I just think that we serve a God who's very big and that we can't box him into how he speaks. Sometimes it's just a knowing. You all know my um, cousins, Jonathan and Winter. Pits. And of course, Winter passed away two years ago. But when she first told me something was going to change, Alina switched schools or was going to. Then that didn't happen because Alina said, well, or Winter said, you know what? I thought the change was, she just kept saying something major is going to change. And then it was, they were moving to Nashville. And I literally looked at her because there have been two or three other things. And I said, listen, you've been telling me change is coming. And what is going on with your knower? You you always know there's this deep knowing that you have when God is leading. And it's and you know it's so interesting because I kind of just smiled at her, you know, in my way after her passing. I just said, girl, you knew a change was coming. The Holy Spirit had told you that, but the change was you. And you couldn't really peg it because it wasn't something that you could know. Um, in in her case with winter, I would call her sometimes. I and mean, if you have a good friend, you know this. I'd call her and say, Okay, I'm trying to work through this in my mind. And she would, we would talk about a concept and then she would say, let me just pray about it. She would call me back and she said, I really just believe that God is saying, you know, or I was just, you know, I had a sense of solace there. And one time she even said to me, you keep calling me because you want me to pray about stuff. Why aren't you praying about it? Because you have a nowhere too, you know? And so I just think that we have to give this idea power that the Holy Spirit lives in us. So even when we don't have this great idea in the shower or God is not getting our attention three times in a row, if we're still to be still and know that God is and that he is also in us. And often, if we are just attentive to what God is doing in us, we can know. Mm. We can know. I like the idea of a knower because it's true. I mean, the more <laughs> the more you spend time with God, and it's unique to each of us, like there is a sense that you develop over time and in your relationship where 
you do know. And it can be hard to describe or even defend to somebody, right? It's just like, <laughs> mm-hmm. nope, I'm just telling you, I something's coming. I know. Yep. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it's uh, in a marriage relationship, you, you, over time, you start to trust that too. And you start, to, you start to see how God's using your spouse maybe to communicate something to you. Well, you've made this prayer journey simple for all of us, okay? And that's why I love just hearing you expound on the idea of prayer, the importance of it. But for a lot of people, it's still intimidating. I mean, I, I didn't mean to intimidate people by talking about this four-hour prayer idea, <laughs> but that that's intimidating. And you've kind of you you have made it a practice now over the last several years of helping people know how to enter into a prayer journey. And in fact, your new project, the twenty-eight day prayer journey, is something everybody can participate in. Will you explain a little bit more about how the twenty-eight day prayer journey works and what you're hoping for people to experience through that? Sure. Well, basically, because I was wanting to be more consistent in prayer and because I'm a sucker for good accountability, I just said online back when Instagram was chronological, (laughs) I will show up here and post at that time five times a day, an early morning, morning, afternoon, um, early evening and bedtime prayer. If you will join me, I will post. Then for 28 days, five times a day, I posted. And um, I did not realize how how much being that attentive to my time talking with God would remind me and teach me about the beauty of ongoingly talking to God and being available for that conversation. And so I also didn't realize that when I was looking for accountability, it was going to give other people encouragement because so many people said I would log on and look for the prompt. You know, it's lunchtime and I I need to know what I'm supposed to say. And I also didn't realize how many people struggle with what to say. If we are not asking for something from God, what else do we say? Well, what else do we talk to him about? And so those prompts became helps for people who just maybe didn't grow up praying and just wanted to kickstart their time. So that's what it was. And then it sat there for a while. And then I I did, I think, a couple of other seven-day journeys. And then my publisher said to me this year, hey, do you think you got enough content there to make a book out of it and so more people can have it in their hands? And that's what we've done. Mm, I love it. 28 days. And that, you know, 21 days to establish a new rhythm or a habit. Um, And you have this releasing September 1, which is a great start, I think, for a lot of us who are coming out of five, six months of a lot of unknown. And I know everyone has made prayer part of this last season for sure, but the intention that you bring to this with the prompts, I'm excited to go through it. I think knowing also that you're praying alongside a lot of other people praying the same things, asking, contending in unity. I think that's actually an expression that the church that is a reflection of what we're best at when we're actually going to the Lord together um, as His children. So I want to thank you for this project and just your investment. And like you said, you're a work in progress. And aren't we all, especially in this way of, of encountering God and intimacy? So I'm excited. I'm excited too. I'm excited about it too. Well, thank you, Crystal, for joining us. Thanks for sharing your wisdom with us. I've loved that today. And I think all our listeners have too, as well as your rhythms. I think I'm planning on lighting a candle tonight, a little bit of music, kind of slow it down at the end of the day. Slow fade. (laughs) Slow Slow fade. Slow fade. A little reflection on what could we do differently tomorrow. Uh, I'm in. Just just a little. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, we're excited that everybody's going to now know how to pray and they can not do it alone. They can go on this journey with a lot of other people through the 28 day prayer journey. So, 
we're excited to see how that goes. And thank you again, Krista, for being with us. Thank you for having me. I'm so inspired. <laughs> I know. She's just great. I mean, it really did feel like we were sitting down with like one of our parents or something, right? Getting just great advice. She looks like she's my sister, though. She I looks know. so young. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't forget, get her journal. It's called The 28-Day Prayer Journey, A Daily Guide to Conversations with God. Anywhere books are sold, follow her on social media. I think you're just going to enjoy adding her into those voices that you really want in your life. And just a reminder to register for the Renewal Retreat, November 20th to 21st with Rebecca and I, Kurt Thompson, Bill and Lori Loki. Our last retreat sold out really quickly. So if this is something you're interested in doing, make plans to come to Franklin a Friday and Saturday and be with us. We're going to have a great time. And that's at RebeccaLyons.com slash Renewal Retreat. We hope to see you there.